1: Before we begin today's episode of Beauty IQ Uncensored, we acknowledge First Nations people as the traditional owners of the lands and waters of Australia. We recognize and pay our respects to elders past, present and future whose lands were never ceded.
0: Welcome everybody to Beauty IQ the podcast. I'm your host, Joanna Fleming. And I am your co-host, Hannah First.
1: Hannah, you've watched Air, yeah, the movie.
0: I did. It's on Amazon Prime. Did you know Is that? It? No. Yeah. Yeah. I actually read that it was initially meant to be an Amazon Studios movie that would go straight to streaming. But because it tested so well, they ended up doing it. I guess it must have been quite a short ah, release because it wasn't out at the cinemas that long, wasn't it? I don't think so. It's been street, it's now on streaming so quick. Yeah. So, thoughts. I was a little bit disappointed there was no Michael Jordan. Okay. Because I felt like I had watched the Michael Jordan documentary on Netflix. Imagine how much money they would have had to pay Michael Jordan. (laughs) No, 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 no. As in an actor, not the actual Michael Jordan. Like I would have liked to have seen his interactions with Nike. Okay. yeah. Yeah. That was probably my only... Criticism. I thought it was so interesting that they took such a punt on this like shoe and yeah, like a rookie. He'd never even been in the NBA before, and obviously it paid off big time. Mm. Do you know how much Michael Jordan's made from that deal? Allegedly, was it it, at the end of the movie where it said it was like literally billions, wasn't it? A bit, yeah, I think it's, I think I read that it was like a billion dollars. It's something. Outrageous because his mum, like you know, that scene where yeah, I won't give it away, but very clever, very, Mm. yeah, very interesting. And we don't know Nike from back then, but apparently it wasn't really a basketball brand,
1: but also it just didn't (laughs) sound like it was cool at all. But now it's like a very cool brand, it was kind of like the Daggy brand. And there are those brands around. Like you think of how New Balance was three, four years ago. The dad. It was a dad yeah. brand. And now everyone's wearing New Balance. Totally. Yeah, how they can turn yeah. things around. Yeah, very, very
0: interesting. Yeah. I liked it. Thanks for that recommendation.
1: How did you feel about Ben Affleck in there?
0: He was all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the
1: character was so funny.
0: I loved the outfit, the purple Nike outfit and the short shorts.
1: He's got such scrawny little legs, doesn't he? Yeah, I liked it. (laughs) I did see a video of him and J-Lo the other day. Yep. It was circulating. I'm sure you probably saw it as well on socials where he kind of like slams shut the door. But then I read into the full context of it and the paparazzi had just been swarming them the whole day. And there was other footage of them like laughing and talking together. And I think it was more of frustration at the paparazzi hounding them than it was at JLo. So Well this was their whole
0: problem when they were first together twenty years ago yes. with the paparazzi and it's sort of happening all over again.
1: And people were standing up for him saying like leave him alone. He just has a resting bitch face. And I totally relate to that.
0: <laughs> yeah, you you would <laughs>
1: J-Lo's mum came
0: out and said that I think that she always wanted them to be together or something. Really? Or that she knew they were going to end up together. Oh, that's Let me get the little quote. Punch in the guts for J-Lo's exes, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, here we go. Jennifer Lopez's mum prayed, quote, she would reunite with
1: Ben Affleck. Oh, really? Pray. She prayed wow. for them to get back together. Maybe her mum knew that they were like soulmates or something. Soulmates. Mm. Yeah. But I did see that circulating and I thought, hmm is there trouble in paradise but then i read further and i thought nah i think it's just the paparazzi spinning things
0: i do think he gets frustrated knowing him as well as i do i think he gets
1: very frustrated with the paparazzi he gets the short fuse yeah we do know him quite intimately (laughs) so we would be able to make that call yeah what's on today's episode joe so on today's episode we are talking ibs with dr lucinda then megsy joins us to talk about cleaning makeup brushes and of course our products we didn't know we needed so today we have Dr. Lucinda joining us again to talk about a very interesting topic, IBS. What else <laughs> would we be talking about? For those that don't know, irritable bowel syndrome, <laughs> which I feel like I had when I was on the pill. So there's a few times on this podcast now, mm. the pill caused havoc for my intestines and my bowel, I feel. Mm. So if you are on the pill and you're having digestive issues, I would suggest speaking to your GP about that because I had no idea that my digestive system was going to completely resolve itself when I came off the pill. So if you're in the same boat, I would suggest just looking into that a little bit because I was quite shocked to see how different things were when I came off it. But Dr. Lucinda, you're going to tell us what IBS is and what some of the symptoms are.
2: Yeah, well, I'm surprised this topic has taken so long to, to come up, really. We love talking about poo. So I know, I feel like we've touched <laughs> on it on occasion. <laughs> so basically, irritable bowel syndrome is quite a common condition of the digestive system. It affects roughly about 30% of Australians and actually occurs more so in females. It can occur any age, but usually comes before the age of 40. Classical symptoms are usually abdominal pain, wind, constipation or diarrhoea, bloating. And so I think it's probably much more common than 30% of, of Australians and it totally varies as to what's going on in your own life so I'm sure we'll talk about different causes and things like that but that's essentially what IBS is how would someone get diagnosed with IBS? Like are there tests that are typically done to rule
0: out other conditions?
2: Absolutely. So IBS from a doctor's perspective is classically a diagnosis of exclusion. So we need to exclude all other kind of conditions before we can say it's irritable bowel syndrome, because there's so many conditions that can mimic IBS. And so, for example, we need to check through history examination and maybe some tests. So is it like a food and intolerance or celiac disease that's when we go do blood tests maybe allergy testing is it an endocrine disorder like thyroid or is it endometriosis or something related to chronic pelvic pain is it like an inflammation of the bowel something called colitis Is someone got an infection are there parasites do we need to send off a stool sample or um, obviously the big c word cancer do we need to go down the colonoscopy or endoscopy route and so there's a whole sort of series of different questions that we need to ask in order to see are there any red flags in this history you know things like blood in the stools or black stools or weight loss that's unintentional or feeling like really fatigued more than usual like anything like that you know we're going to be wanting to do some blood tests on someone basically and obviously asking about medication history like you mentioned joe so you know they notice any change in their symptoms since starting something you know there's various medications that aggravate diarrhea or constipation be them antibiotics are a big one you know antacids or blood pressure medications antidepressants iron tablets gives you the classic black hard stool Mm -hmm. there's so many different things that we need to to bear in mind from a medication and medical problem point of view yet alone lifestyle so history is really key
1: It is very interesting. I went and had a gastroscopy and colonoscopy when I had lots of things going wrong. And they were just like, yeah, no, looks fine. I was like, well, it's not fine. (laughs) It's definitely not. So, yes, definitely encourage people to go Mm. and have things investigated if they're concerned. What are some lifestyle
2: changes that might help to alleviate IBS symptoms? What a lot of people might find is that stress is a really big player in IBS and so trying to sort of like tackle stress would be a really huge benefit and the reason why stress impacts you know it or leads to sort of things like IBS is because it changes your gut motility so increases and decreases gut muscle activity it can increase mm. your sensitivity to pain as well it can also affect your gut microflora and also sort of like make the gut more permeable so for more for fluids to travel in and out which can sort of impact on bloating and things. So trying to do stress releasing activities like mindfulness, meditation, yoga. Is this why we get nervous diarrhea? Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. (laughs) And so stress is, I think stress is one of the biggest causes actually of IBS, personally speaking. And then obviously diet. So diet is huge for so many things, as we all know. But basically, diet impacts our gut microflora as well, hugely. The gut microbiome is so important for our overall health, like for inflammation, for your mental health, for energy, it's just really key. So there's certain foods and drinks that can trigger IBS, kind of like high fat foods, dairy products, caffeine, alcohol, spicy foods, artificial sweeteners, things like aspartame, sorbitol, or mandatol. And there's a specific diet out there called FODMAP, which is fermentable monosaccharides and polyols. Just don't worry about the log name. (laughs) But basically, there's good evidence to show that that can help manage IBS symptoms. But I would say it is best alongside a dietician, basically. Mm -hmm. They say about three out of four people do see improvements in, in using this diet if they've got IBS and they can see changes within a couple of weeks. Alcohol is actually quite a big one as well so it increases your gut motility leading to diarrhea also affects your gut microflora and can increase permeability in your gut again allowing toxins and other substances to leak into the bloodstream triggering inflammation in the gut and so when it comes to diet well actually all of it really I think the one of the most helpful things that you can do for yourself but also for the doctor you'll be seeing is keeping like a diary, like a food diary, a stool diary, symptom diary, basically. And there's quite a few different places you can find that online, just like Google IBS symptom diary and then start tracking like what symptoms you're getting because it will help you understand even when you're trying to exclude certain food groups or drinks to see if things change. But whenever you're excluding a food group, like I would advise like speaking to someone about it just to make sure you're getting the right nutrition alongside that but it can take about four weeks for you to know whether or not it's going to make an impact so it takes time with all of that kind of stuff oh yeah and then obviously like from a food point of view eating less gas producing foods like onions and cabbage and Brussels sprouts and cauliflower dried beans and lentils (laughs) like you could have some of it but like obviously (laughs) these things are gonna make you gassy and so if you're really struggling it's worth trying to like you know, reduce that significantly or cut it out. But try not to completely, unless you've got an allergy, completely cut out a food group because you can develop an allergy towards it if you completely cut things out. So just keeping a little bit here and there is like good just to avoid that. So exercise is another really good thing to get into. So regular exercise can help improve your bowel function, reduce stress levels, improve your gut motility and regulate the muscles within the gut and then sleep is surprisingly important so a lack of sleep can cause fatigue can cause stress which we know is a a cause of fire BS and lastly smoking so smoking can also worsen IBS symptoms, again, changing gut motility. Well, we all know your vagina smokes with you. <laughs> <laughs> it does, <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so does the rest of your body. And so, you know, it causes inflammation, stress. Uh, it surprisingly causes stress, which is interesting because you always, you know, we always have patients who are like, oh, I need that, cigarettes going, because it's the only thing that helps me with my stress. But actually, you know, kind of like alcohol can overall make you, feel like underlying anxiety and stress but when you're drinking you feel really good Mm -hmm. so same thing with with smoking so you can feel better at the time but actually it's a cause of stress and anxiety as well and how can a person manage their IBS symptoms when they're experiencing a flare-up so, there's a number of different ways that you can do that. So, from a medication point of view, because sometimes symptoms can be really bad, and of course, you need to have some medications to help you through the journey. Obviously, see your, your doctor before, sort of, you know, if you haven't got a diagnosis already. But if you're suffering mainly with constipation, then getting things like bulking agents like psyllium husk, getting like a tablespoon, popping it into water, giving it a quick stir, and then drinking it quite soon after can be quite good. You don't want to leave it for too long because it just becomes jelly. If you're getting diarrhea, loperamide or Imodium. So those are like those travel diarrhea kind of things. But again, you don't want to be using that long term without any medical advice there. When it comes to abdominal pain, there's some antispasmodics that we can give you. So like the beverine can be really good, basically just helps to reduce the pain and the urgency of the bowel movements and relax the muscle within the bowel itself. And there's other sort of medications like buscapan, which you probably have seen like over the counter, Donatabs, those things could be really helpful as well and there are medications otherwise like antidepressants that we can prescribe as well so please don't absolutely freak out if a GP says, look, we might need to start you on an antidepressant called amitriptyline, because although they were developed as antidepressants, what they did find is that at low doses, they can have a separate effect on the nerves and muscles in the bladder and bowel and can often help relieve pain. And and that's not just for IBS, it's for other sort of pain syndromes as well. And then lastly, with bloating, a barograph, it's got a mixture of like natural herbal kind of thing. So that can sort of be helpful and and probiotics. Now, with the probiotics, it's a bit tricky because I don't think there's enough evidence to say which one will suit everyone because everyone's gut microflora is so different. In an ideal world, we'd be testing everyone's microflora to see what exactly would be beneficial to help. But there are some supplements around. But don't do it without some sort of medical advice there or at least looking you know, well into sort of any sort of evidence-based research for it. Inner Health Plus is the one that I've looked at the most and they've got an IBS related one. So if you're going to try anything, like that's one that I've looked into, but I'm not sponsored by them. (laughs) But again, get medical advice before you start doing anything like that, please.
1: I found probiotics actually really helped for me. So I would recommend trying that if you haven't. Now, in my case, it kind of resolved itself. But is it possible to cure?
2: So at present, unfortunately, there is no cure, and I think it's because it's so complicated. There's so many different levels to irritable bowel syndrome. So what you might find is at one point in your life where you're less stressed and you're, you know, you're exercising well, you've got a good diet, and you're tolerating all things really well, and you know, you've ruled out medications that might be causing it or medical problems that might be causing it. Then the things settle down. Down. But what you might find is that sometimes in your life, maybe when you're a bit more stressed, or even when you come on your period, that you might get little flare ups of irritable bowel syndrome as well. So trying to keep up that lifestyle and even natural probiotics, which are in foods like kimchi and sauerkraut and kefir, those are great things to help feed that microflora in your gut just to help keep things going. But unfortunately, no cure yet. Who knows, we might see and what happens in the future, especially if there's sort of more interesting testing which we can do for our gut microflora, mm-hmm. and hopefully diagnosis kind of
1: gets better. Of like the proper thing that's causing the IBS is it a food intolerance, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera.
2: Yeah, a bit more streamlined approach. But it can be very yeah. difficult. It can take a while sometimes to diagnose it. But mm. just make sure that you know keeping a diary is a really good thing for you to do to help understand your body. Find a GP that you like. Yes.
1: Very important. I think
2: that's really, really key. So if you're not happy with something, just go and get another opinion, mm-hmm. honestly. Well, thank you so much for joining us once again, Dr. Lucinda. Fabulous as always. Pleasure. Thank you very much, guys. Take care.
1: All right. Megzie is back on the pod to talk cleaning makeup brushes. Welcome back, Megan. Hello. Megan, how often should we be cleaning our makeup brushes and sponges? Does it matter how often you use them? Because I use that as a reason as to why I don't clean mine as often as I should.
3: Yeah, you should definitely be cleaning them. I would say every five to seven uses. And look, I'm going to be completely honest. Mine, have not probably been in about two months, my personal ones. So, you know... No one's perfect, but in an ideal world, every five to seven uses, if you're doing makeup every single day, so if you're wearing foundation, bronzer, if you're using a majority of brushes every single day for five to seven days, give them a quick wash. Yeah, like once a week. Yeah, once a week, I would say. But if you're only wearing makeup like, I don't know, twice a month, let's just say, and your makeup brushes are stored away from, I guess, toilet flushes or dust or particles, things like that, then you can probably get away with kind of calculate how many times you get to about five uses and then you can give them a nice wash. Mm, The poo particles. I always forget the poo about that. Particles. My
0: oh. brushes are in the bathroom. You've just reminded me that they're in there.
1: <laughs> oh, mine are in a separate room, but I feel like they get dusty. Yeah. Dust, yeah. So. yeah. Which
0: products do you recommend for cleaning brushes? Can you talk us through your process?
1: There
3: are a few great ones for like spot cleaning and deep cleaning. Mm-hmm. So if you just want to do like a quick spot clean, Cinema Secrets Pro Brush Cleaner, the best. Like, I don't know what's in it, but it just literally gets rid of everything. But if you've got a brush that needs like a real deep clean, Sard Wonder Soap. It is like $2 Mm. from, I don't know, Safeway or $3 maybe. It comes in a bar. Now, of course, you wouldn't use Sard Wonder Soap on your face, like as a cleanser. Mm. So what you want to do is if you've got like a stubborn foundation brush that like you're washing it and it's still manky, pop some Sard onto it. Yeah. Yeah lather it up, wash that out, and then go in with like a facial cleanser or something that you would usually use on your face. Yeah. Or, a you know, a brush cleaner. Real Techniques have a great brush cleaner as well for deep cleaning. Mm -hmm. So then I would go in with something like that as a second cleanse. Mm -hmm. So your shadow brushes and stuff like that wouldn't need like a side wonder soap element. They would just need like your Cinema Secrets type of vibe because powder doesn't really stick the same way that like a liquid foundation does mm, very true
1: i didn't think about that i use dr bronner's yeah that'll work dr bronner's liquid castile soap i use that to clean my brushes always have and i love it because it leaves a nice scent on them afterwards and it's not too harsh yeah other people use baby shampoo or normal
3: shampoo just be careful that you're not using like a supermarket shampoo that will leave like a film on the brushes because then that'll just ruin
1: them. Is it possible to really clean a beauty sponge? Like should we just be replacing them instead of washing them? Because I can never get mine fully clean. Like they're clean enough for me to use personally, but as a makeup artist, are you reusing Sponges on anyone? No, nah.
3: as a makeup artist, so you can actually get packs of like forty.
1: The little white triangle
3: ones. No, so they're actual like proper oh. beauty blender ones. Model Rock have some. Oh, okay. For clients, I would just think it's federal, so I just one use, yeah, and I just give it to the client afterwards if I use them. But for personal use, like I do, wash mine every now and again. I would usually say, oh, like how long? It depends how often you're using it, but I probably wouldn't keep it for longer than like six weeks at a time. And again, it depends how often you're using it. But yeah, if you're using it like daily, I would say you should be washing it every week and then chuck it after about six
1: weeks. I'll bear right back. I've just got to go and throw something in the bin.
0: (laughs) 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 What are the do's and don'ts when it comes to brush cleaning? don't
3: splay the brush. So that basically means if you're holding the brush vertically with the brush side down, so the bristles towards your hand, do not ever like push down on it so that the brushes are all going out towards the edges. That will basically just ruin the integrity of the brush. Other things, if you are doing like a deep cleanse with water involved, you wanna make sure that that silver part of the brush that kind of holds all the bristles in you wanna make sure that the top of that silver part is never submerged into the water because that basically allows water to get in and all of your bristles are held in by glue. So when the whole brush is submerged in water, the water gets in and it basically loosens up the glue. And then that's when you have a shedding brush. So all the little hairs are coming out on your face. So they would probably be like the two don'ts. Onto some do's. When you're letting them dry, always let them air dry. Like, don't. You know go in with your hair dryer or something like that it'll probably just melt them off and then when you're letting them dry try and hang them half on and half off a ledge or a table so try and make sure that every single area of that brush head is able to get air rather than just popping them onto like a towel where the bottom side
0: is still quite wet
1: and don't put them upside down in a jar to dry like with the water dripping down into the handle yes
0: if you only use like a cinema secret, is that a don't? No. Or should is it okay just to use it? Because that's all I use.
3: Now that's fine. As long as you're doing it like regularly, it's mm-hmm.
0: completely fine. And that actually has antibacterial
3: ingredients in it as well. So. I find it really gets the foundation yeah. out. Yeah. And also, so effective. yeah, it's effective. It doesn't like really waterlog the brushes either than if you're giving
1: them like a deep shampoo. Yeah. So yeah, that's totally fine. Cleaning my brushes is on my list of mm. things to do this weekend. I really, really, they're so overdue. It's not even funny. Where do you recommend storing brushes and sponges? in a cupboard or in your little vanity
3: in the bathroom away from toilet flushes away from heaps of dust ideally you would have them in like a little tub that has a lid on it or like a little case away in the cupboard because that way even if you're not using your brushes well my house gets filthy with dust so do your brushes if they're just sitting out like in that little container thing yeah so that's the ideal place away from direct sunlight Think, but like you know, you know those things yeah. that are like away from direct sunlight like away from water yeah. away from just put them keep them away from everything
1: yeah etoile actually have a good brush holder that has a lid on it mm. so you can stand all your brushes up and then close the lid over it so they don't get dusty oh, i like so that. that's a that's a tip for everyone out there do you yeah. recommend those textured mats i have one of those little silicon mats that i like kind of scrub my brushes into to get all the stuff out of do you re- recommend those
3: Yeah, I enjoy them.
1: Yeah, I quite like them. It's like a sensory thing for me. I just like to, you know, get everything out.
3: Yeah, it's a bit special. Real Techniques have one that you can, like, slide your hand into and you, you know, go for gold. Oh, Mm -hmm. yes, they do too. Yeah, Yeah, they're fun, especially with, like, liquidy product brushes, like your liquid blush, your foundation. But also you can just use the inside of your hand. It's totally up to you. Mm -hmm. With holders, I actually got a cute one from Kmart. It's not meant for makeup brushes. I think it was for the fridge or something.
1: I think I know the ones. It's clear plastic and it's got a little lid. Yeah. It. Yes, I've seen those. They have them at the moment. Yeah,
3: and when you buy it, it says, don't forget my lid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's got a little sticker on it. Yes.
1: And yeah, it's quite, yeah. quite cost effective. So that would be my tip. And while everyone's at Kmart, I do recommend the Heated Throws. They are now... Back in oh. stock, I believe, for winter. <laughs> so if you don't have heating at home, the heated throw blanket. How does it heat up? Do you plug it in? Oh, it's, it plugs into the wall. Wow. It's honestly like a it's an electric blanket, but it's in a throw. A reverse electric blanket. Kind of, yeah. yeah. Nice. Love that. An asset to have in any home. Hey, don't pay me to say that, but they should.
3: I've actually got one, but mine was from Catch. It's really cute. Oh, Megs has got hers
1: on right now. Yeah,
3: (laughs) it's really comfy. Even if you don't turn them on, it's really still quite warm,
0: yeah.
1: Yes, and she's got a dressing gown on. Mm.
0: Both Jo and Megan have dressing gowns on. Pink, fluffy, yep, nice.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for joining us, Megs. Anytime. What's your product today, Joe? Hannah, my product is one that I will be taking to Europe with me, along mm-hmm. with a commercial quantity of La Roche Posay's sunscreen. It is the Ultraviolet Print Screen SPF 50 reapplication mist skin screen, long name, but that explains it. Actually, encompasses what this product is. It's the whole thing. So, for those that are kind of wondering what this product is, it's not a standalone sunscreen it is a reapplication mist. It's not designed to be your only form of sun protection. It is designed to be something that you maybe top up your SPF protection with or add over the top of your sunscreen or your makeup if you're wearing makeup. So it really is just designed to be that reapplication product, not as a standalone. So don't get that confused. It doesn't replace the SPF that you're currently using in your routine. It is SPF 50, it's hard with a mist to guarantee coverage that you would get from a sunscreen that you're rubbing into your face because there are a few different factors that could interrupt that product doing what it's meant to do. For example, if I was spraying this outside on a windy day, the likelihood of that mist getting blown away by the wind as it's coming out, it's quite likely. So you've got to be mindful of where you're applying this. If I'm at the beach, I'm probably going to be putting like a towel over me to spray this on to make sure actually making contact with my face mm-hmm. and they do recommend a particular technique. So it's a T and then an X. Mm-hmm. So kind of one, two, three, four sprays in a different movement so that you're covering all parts of your face. Mm -hmm. I'll probably be a little bit more generous Mm -hmm. (laughs) knowing me, but I will be taking my other sunscreen as well to apply that. But if I get stuck, this is there to be my backup SPF coverage. So it is quite a unique product. There are a couple of other brands on the market that do have them, but I think this is a really exciting innovation for ultraviolet. I know it's something they have been working on for ages. Like I remember when they came out with daydream screen, they were working on this already. So it's been a long time in the works. As we know with SPFs in Australia, it does take a lot to get them approved by the TJ. So you know that if this has been rated an SPF 50, that it genuinely is. But again, that application of the product, you just need to be really mindful of how you are applying it to make sure you're getting the SPF coverage that you want from it. That is my product. I didn't know I needed, it, but also did know I need. So, <laughs> <laughs> what's yours, Hannah? Mine is the Evader Scalp Solutions
0: Exfoliating Scalp Treatment. Mm. So, I've had some scalp issues lately. I don't know what is going on with my scalp, but it's not good at the moment.
1: You went through that a while ago as well, didn't you?
0: I'm trying to think, is it the cold weather? I have had my dermatitis has come back around my ankles Ah. and I've been using the steroid cream. Is this a steroid cream? Yeah. Yeah. I've been using that around my ankles. My ankles have been really bad with the dermatitis and then I thought maybe that has something to do with my scalp. I don't know what's Mm. going on. Got some information going on. Maybe, yeah. So I actually it was a little bit flaky the other day and I haven't had a flaky scalp. Like I was really like, oh my God, what's going on with my scalp? It was really itchy. So I actually had this and I hadn't used it yet and I was blown away by how good it is. It is expensive, I think, $80 yeah. for a scalp yeah. treatment is on the bougier end of things. But amazing. It was really, really good. I've heard
1: really good things about this range.
0: So good. It was so easy to use because sometimes I find exfoliants, firstly, if it's like a scrub, like a physical scrub, sometimes it's sort of hard to get the scrub right in there.
1: Yes. Because it's not like your
0: face where you're doing a physical scrub on your skin. It's like you're trying to get into your scalp and get all that dead skin and product, a little bit hard. This is like more of a chemical exfoliant for your scalp really easy to use and I could really feel that it was working because it's actually got salicylic acid. So it is a chemical exfoliant for your scalp. Basically it'll remove product buildup and any excess sebum from the scalp. It exfoliates the scalp, removing the dead skin cells, which is exactly what I needed it's got one of those like refreshing kind of smells you can feel it kind of like tingling on the scalp as well you know how Aveda they're really big on scents yeah so it definitely kind of has that cool mint they call it like their invigorating aroma I love Mm -hmm. the Aveda scents yeah they're nice so it's like a gel texture I would say like kind of a gel have you used it
1: no I haven't
0: no okay I thought it was really effective, such an effective scalp exfoliator. And it didn't cause any further irritation?
1: Like it was more soothing for you?
0: No, I really needed to exfoliate my scalp, I think. Yeah, It really needed a good – so you basically do it as like a pre-shampoo. So I used it and then I shampooed. But like it really gets in there. You can really get in there with this one. That's good, yeah. Yeah, and that salicylic acid. Some of them are so hard to like actually work into the scalp. It is sometimes – Totally. Yeah. I think you do need that chemical exfoliation sometimes. So I love this one. Highly recommend. I did also use, they have got like a whole scalp solutions range.
1: It is one of the best scalp ranges out there, I believe. I've heard very good reviews about them. So if you're having scalp issues.
0: Yeah. They've got a shampoo, they've got a stimulating scalp massager, they've got a serum, mist, conditioner, and then they've got this scalp treatment.
1: So we spoke about how I was going to reintroduce coffee. Yeah, I'm so excited for an update. Yeah. So if you don't recall that conversation, my boyfriend bought a fancy coffee machine because he loves coffee. It Mm. probably makes like two a day. And didn't want to keep spending money on getting coffees around the corner because I think coffees now are like what six dollars maybe? Well, Depending I get a long black get. so it's five dollars. But yeah, yeah, if you get um, almond milk at six
0: dollars. If you calculate
1: what you spend, if you get a coffee every day and you calculate what that Two, costs you every like, year, that yeah. is just ridiculous. Yeah, mind blowing. Anyway, so he knew how to use a coffee machine because he uses like a professional one at work. So he was making these coffees, and I'm like Oh, it just smells so good. Like I want to have one. So I like coffee. I like the taste yeah. of it. Tummy doesn't. My tummy didn't like it. So it would not go down well with me. Irritate the little lining of the tummy yes, tum. Yes, my little tummy <laughs> Tummy sleeper. So... I decided that I was going to give it a crack in a safe environment. So I home. had him make me a coffee. I initially started with soy milk yeah, because I definitely know that I can't have full cream milk. Mm-hmm. So I usually had skinny prior, but I've gone to soy. So made me a coffee with soy milk. I was at home the whole day. Nothing. No issues. Wow. I did think for a moment, like a split second, I thought, oh, oh something's going wrong The, rumb- down there. the rumbling. The rumbling. Yeah. And then it went away. Yeah. Thought, okay. Mm, okay. We're all right. So you're on coffee now. So then I switched to almond milk. Mm-hmm. I'm enjoying that more. I think it's tastier. Mm-hmm. Using the So Good brand, I think mm-hmm. it's called.
0: Soy good. So Good. So, so Good. Yeah, yeah, So Good. Yeah,
1: it's the almond milk, yep. creamy, creamy yep. almond milk. So it's all going well. I've not had one incident and I think I've had probably like eight coffees now. You don't have
0: one every morning? No,
1: because I don't know how to make them. So people oh. work. <laughs>
0: have them when he's home get him to teach you i can't once you get used to having coffee though don't you need it in the morning no, to get up
1: I just have a tea okay does I have enough, enough coffee yeah for okay. me right. yeah it's fine so i just have coffees when he's home in the mornings and if he's not i just don't have one yeah so coffee's, coffee's got the green light okay. i'm on it all right see you next week